to From the Frontline. I'm Hunter Combs, and I have a special guest in the studio today. I often say that, but I do have a very special guest in the studio. He's come all the way from Canada and a couple other countries here in Africa that he's recently been in. Uh, Jonathan Grieb is with us in the studio, and we're going to get to hear a bit of his story and how he ended up here today. So, Jonathan, it's good to have you here with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Jonathan grew up in Cameroon, so maybe it'd be best for us to just uh, hear some of your background, uh, where you grew up, how you came to Christ as we begin sort of talking and having a conversation about uh, your life and uh, yeah, how the Lord drew you to himself. Yes, well, beginnings are always the best place to start a story. Absolutely. Um, I'm in my mid, well, maybe late 40s, and I grew up as a missionary kid in... Um, Cameroon, which is West Africa, to Wycliffe parents who mm. worked on the mission field since the 70s. They were there about 42 years, and uh, my parents have passed on. But So they were Bible translators then? Bible Wycliffe. translators, yes, correct. Wow, okay. And then, um, so I, my formative years, I grew up in a village setting, rural life, um, enjoyed it very much, and uh, those are probably my most fondest memories of my entire life was growing up in the village and uh, mm. just living that uh, rural life in Africa. And then in my later years, um, I ended up going to uh, Kenya to Rift Valley Academy okay. and finished my high school and boarding school. I had two older brothers. They ended up doing their high school in Canada, but I was fortunate enough being the youngest and the opportunity to go to East Africa and stay in Africa where I wanted to stay mm. and uh, until I graduated and then returned to Canada. Okay. So you grew up uh, with missionary parents, but um, as I've heard a bit of your story or read a bit of your story uh, that you shared, it wasn't necessarily just because you had missionary parents didn't mean you grew up praising and singing, uh, wanting to follow Jesus necessarily. Maybe you can share with us a bit how, how that looked, how that unfolded as you uh, came to Christ. Yeah. Having Christian parents, um, as some people say, uh, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Mm. I grew up in a very loving Christian home. Uh, my parents uh, loved the Lord dearly, served the Lord. Um, and so uh, I was very nurtured in the gospel, very nurtured in um, everything that a good Christian home uh, would provide anybody. And so uh, in those formative years growing up in the village, I uh, really loved the Lord. I remember them very distinctly. Hmm. And uh, it was in my around six years old when we moved to the capital city of Cameroon mm. that uh, I really pulled back from the Lord, if I can say that. Mm. I was very young, but I do remember it very distinctly and uh, increasingly became very bitter towards the Lord in all the pain and suffering that I saw more in an urban setting than my beautiful village life that mm. I was used to. And uh, became very antagonistic to the gospel, very antagonistic to um, everything that was Christian. And um, this just increased uh, to the point where I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to have anything to do with Christ. I would argue with my one older brother who constantly was evangelizing me and uh, mm. calling me to the gospel and calling <laughs> me to repentance. And uh, I never denied the sovereignty of God. I never denied anything in Scripture. I believed it all but I wanted nothing to do with it. Hmm. And um, this carried on even into my high school years in 
Rift Valley Academy of all places. So here I am in a Christian boarding school with other Christians. Hmm. And um, I wanted nothing to do with the gospel. And I was very vocal and for that reason didn't have very many friends. And uh, it was during that time in high school that uh, the Lord just, there was no specific event like many people will give testimonies of a certain hmm. incident that they can recall. Right. I recall the time in the sense that um, it was just before Christmas and I just surrendered to the Lord and um, acknowledged his sovereign rule over my life, which was always there. God is sovereign. He hmm. rules over all things. Um, and uh, the footsteps of the hound of heaven Mm. Uh, to quote the poem, had finally caught up with me, or I had stopped running and mm. just surrendered myself to God's lordship over my life, and uh, the rest is history, and I continue to walk with the Lord from then on. Mm. So very much as Jesus is describing in John six forty four that no one comes to me unless they're drawn by the Father. Exactly. And so it's that sort of drawing is, uh, I think you've explained it as sort of the irresistible grace of God, that it was him pulling you to himself, not necessarily you weren't, yes, I want to follow the Lord, but it was, okay, he's pursuing you, he's calling you. It's the effectual calling yes. of the Father on your life. Yes, I wouldn't compare myself to Clive Staple Lewis by any stretch of the means, but um, Lewis talks about being the something to the effect of the most dejected um, convert in all of England when you mm. bowed down, and, and I felt much that way. I was just, I was done. And mm. um, so it wasn't a resistance to who God was. It was just a final submission of, yes, you are Lord. Mm. You always have been. Yeah. So that's a pretty, uh, <clears throat> pretty amazing that you can recall that even when you're six, you were sort of resisting the Lord. I mean, many of us can't even think back to memories back that long, much less to remember, oh wait, yeah, I was actually resisting the Lord at this age. But that's, uh, it's amazing that you can actually recall sort of your state of heart at that time. Yeah. And so that's that's uh, quite a testimony of the Lord bringing you to himself. So then did you go back to Cameroon after this time in the Rift Valley Academy? No, I finished high school and like many third culture kids or missionary children, we go back to the country of our passport. Hmm. I won't say home because <laughs> um, I didn't know Canada. And so I went back to Canada at 17. I'd finished school and um, my parents stayed with me for a year and a half, and then they returned to the mission field, and I was alone in Canada. And uh, very shortly after that, um, I ended up meeting my wife, uh, Sammy. Um, I was 19 and a half, I guess. Um, I say that because she always jokes, and <laughs> we didn't get married till I was 20. She said she couldn't marry a teenager. <laughs> so um, she was a little older than I was. She was 24 at the time. And uh, we met at um, Torchbearers Bible Camp at okay. um, in British Columbia there. Oh, so okay. I went out there. Um, she came from a non-Christian home in Ontario. I didn't know her. And uh, she'd just been a recent Christian. She didn't know anything about Scripture. She was like, who's Moses? Who's Abraham? Who are these characters mm. in the Bible? And she was just <laughs> eating up the Scriptures. Wow. And so we got to know each other. And um, from the first day we met to when we got married was um, less than five months. Mm. Wow. So fairly soon after you met her, you ended up getting married? Yes, we got oh. married. We met at the end of October, um, and March 25th, we got married. My birthday's Christmas Eve, so that the joke is I was 19, I had to be out of my teens, and then uh, <laughs> we got married. 
And we went back to Calgary where we raised the family. Within three years, we had three kids. And um, yeah, so we just continued to grow in the Lord. And it was a great time of um, just being absorbed. Sorry, not absorbed, but um, immersed in the scriptures. Uh, We grew from all kinds of people from primarily MacArthur, but uh, Ligonier Ministries, we were just just reading and eating up everything we could get our hands on and trying to raise. Here we are, a young family, three children, um, three in diapers, uh, three, <laughs> three years old was the oldest, and two and one. And so we just hit life running and uh, enjoyed it. And the Lord was really gracious to us. And in these latter years, we've looked back. Sammy's actually reminded me of so many things where really, we did that? And I'm kind mm-hmm. of maybe shocked or amazed. It's like, wow, that was, when you're in the midst of it, you don't realize yeah. what's going on. How are we actually able to do that? I mean, three kids under three, that's pretty, that's yes. pretty impressive. <laughs> I have three kids, but my oldest is six, and then I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So that sounds hard enough, but three kids and nappies that, uh, I don't envy your season in life, but <laughs> it takes a very special kind of person to do something like that. Special wife. Yeah, that that's very true. A very special wife for that. <clears throat> so you have three kids, and so when you met your wife, did she feel a call to Africa, missions, anything like that? Did you feel a call to missions? Not specifically. Like many missionary kids, I had a longing to return to Africa or to a third world culture, and I struggled with those things. But our focus as a married couple and as an individual myself was just trying to grow in the Lord, just trying to learn what a godly father is, learn what a godly husband is. Um, We began, as our kids grew, then we were trying to figure out how to educate them and give them a godly Christian education, and so we began homeschooling. So we were so immersed in, in daily life that although... There was that constant longing for Africa and uh, and a desire, a genuine desire to, to return to Africa. It was something that didn't really sit in the forefront of my mind because I was here in Canada and I was raising a family and as your family grows, you're focused on them. And it was like, well, the Lord has planted me here and I need to grow here and mm-hmm. I can't be um, double-minded or preoccupied with some other dream, for lack of a better word, when I have service here and now. And so um, as the years progressed, we just continued to enjoy all the fruits that the Lord were was giving us in a family and all the struggles and afflictions that go along with that. Hmm. But um, I would be amiss to say that there was this constant tug. And I did struggle, like most missionary kids, and I'll just put a plug in for David Wells and his books, um, one in particular, um, whatever happened to, no place for truth, whatever happened to evangelical theology, I think is the title of the book is his first trilogy and then God in the wasteland, but he speaks about the evangelical scene. But along mm-hmm. with that, he talks a lot about, uh, postmodernism and so forth. And I found those books. I read the first one when I was actually 17 or 18 mm-hmm. when it first came out and I found them so helpful in just adjusting to Western lifestyle and realizing, some of the issues that I was struggling with. And now looking back, the church in the West has been struggling with and now Mm. is coming more to the forefront as we face different issues. So So what would you say was sort of a theme over that chapter of your life? Was that the Lord really teaching you contentment, uh, just to grow in Him? 
what would be some sort of key things that the Lord was teaching you at that time in your life? Contentment. Mm. And um, R.C. Sproul, um, I forget the name of the magazine. So Legionnaire Ministries had a big role in my life and mm. a lot of their teaching. And I remember um, listening and reading a lot of things from R.C. Sproul in regards to contentment and vocational calling. Mm. And um, so that played a big factor. So, uh, and then also the reformers and the Puritans and all of Christ and all of life. And whether you're a cobbler or you are a medical doctor or a minister, that God calls us to different positions and he wants us to be faithful in those positions regardless of what our earthly contentment might be. I want to be something else. Hmm. And so I really struggled with that. And I remember specifically in my early 20s, especially because I wasn't very happy in my vocation, as a tradesman, to be content. And so the Lord, I'm really grateful for those years of just learning contentment. Mm. Yeah, that's such a lesson to learn. You're always thinking, well, if I just had this one thing, then I'd be happy. Well, if I just get to this stage in my life, then I'll be happy. But it's if you don't learn contentment right where you are with what you have, you'll never actually truly be happy. That thing, it really reveals the idols in our heart when we sort of examine ourselves and say, what is that one thing I can't live without that isn't Christ? <laughs> and so I think that's why contentment is so key in the Christian And life. the Lord keeps you in those positions. And he mm. says, when are you going to learn to be joyful? Mm. Yeah. You're just going to stay there until you're joyful. Mm. <laughs> and then once you are joyful, it's like, I like staying here. And so I we enjoyed staying in the West, and, um, and uh, we were completely content. Mm. Mm. And so what would you say is sort of a, key to learning that contentment maybe for people who are listening um did it help that you grew up in cameron in a more simple village lifestyle rural lifestyle to have some of the foundation for contentment if you will for me i would say yes as any missionary kid i have lived with other missionary kids and uh that sort of lifestyle didn't benefit them in the sense that they wanted everything but Africa. They enjoyed the West, and they mm. wanted to leave all that behind, if yeah. I can say that. So, but for me, yes, definitely, um, that was a big factor. And um, um, even on this trip coming back to Africa, some of those memories have come to the surface again, and um, sort of um, uh, caused me to reflect on those past years in ways that I hadn't before. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say. Yes, but without sounding trite or simple, God brings afflictions into our life and he uses his word and it's simply his word. And I am eternally grateful for so many men um, and their teaching, both contemporaries and those who have passed and uh, J.C. Ryle and uh, the list can go on and on. But those men keep pointing you back to the word and saying, Christ is your sufficiency. You know, I mean, Augustine, the famous, I'm not good with quotes, but, you know, where he says, you know, even though you look upon things that are beautiful, unless your contentment is in Christ, you will mm. never be content. So mm. it is Christ. Mm. Yeah, and I think learning that is so key. As <clears throat> Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, he said, but if we have, sorry, rather, it says, but with godliness, with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires, 
plunge many people into ruin and destruction. And many times I think that's that's where so much of the anxiety comes from in our lives because we're we're like that soil that where the weeds grow up and sort of choke out our joy, choke out also our faith because we're so focused on these things. Oh, if I only had this, if I only had that, then I'll be happy. But it's Christ. Is Christ enough? Exactly. Is Christ enough for you? So there you were in the States. You had a family. Canada. Uh, Sorry, not in the States. Sorry, I'm American. (laughs) I've joked with you about the 51st state, which I'm sure I'll get hit for later on. Uh, I'm half Canadian, so I guess I can make that joke. Uh, In Canada. (laughs) You're on that side of the world, on North America. Okay, close enough. Um, So you had a family, and the Lord was teaching you about contentment. So how did you end up in Africa then? How how are you here today on the other side of the world? How did you get back to Africa then? Yeah, that's an interesting story. And did you feel a call specifically, or sort of the Lord tugging on your heart to return back to Africa? Has this constantly been on your heart? I wouldn't call it a call. That longing has always been there. And as we grew in our marriage and as our family grew, our children are now 26, 25, and 24. Um, so they're adults, they're on their own. And, um, but even going back a few years, about 2015, we started sort of contemplating and saying, well, to ourselves at first, maybe we could go back to Africa. Maybe mm-hmm. we could um, leave North America. And um, as your our kids were all in college, some of them had graduated at that time even. And, and so it wasn't the burden of raising a family or the focus of it wasn't so front and center. But it was sort of thoughts. And then as the years went on, maybe 2016, 17, 18, in those years, we started actually praying about it and saying, well, Lord, would you open a door? Is mm. this something we should pursue? But it was just something in the back of our minds. And so that urge, if you like, or that desire was always there, but it sort of just started coming to the surface bit by bit. And then um, uh, before COVID, we use COVID as a landmark these days, but mm. um, nothing to do with COVID, but we started urgently praying and um, mm. really convicted um through some different uh, sermons and reading also the Puritans more, that we need to pray specifically for things in life, whether mm. it be the small things in a daily uh, need or the larger things in life, and say, Lord, this is what we desire. We walk by faith. You're the one who sets our story. You're the one who writes our story. Um, we want to be very careful what James warns us of, you know, making plans that today or tomorrow we will go here and do that. But at the same time, God calls us to specifically ask for requests. And so we started praying in that vein and saying, Lord, and we're even looking at South America. I don't speak Spanish or anything. Um, Africa seemed far away, just logistically more difficult, and maybe Latin America would be better, but really longing to go overseas. And at the same time, Sammy was also feeling the burden to leave North America, if you Mm -hmm. like. And she's born and raised in Canada. And uh, so the desire was sort of placed in her heart in a greater sense than me, the missionary kid. Um, she'd always heard my rumblings my whole life about life in Africa. Mm-hmm. When we first met, as that was her first question. Um, the very first day, the very first meeting on that path on the island in Vancouver there, mm-hmm. uh, she says, how are you? And according to her version of the story, my comment was, life in Africa would be much better than here. <laughs> 
So she's always known my desire. But anyhow, to get back on topic, um, because our kids were growing up and uh, I was getting to the um, point in our life where we could actually logistically easier, it would be easier for us to move, if you like, mm-hmm. like we didn't have a young family and so forth. Uh, we started earnestly praying about it. And then um, we decided uh, um, very quickly, actually, back in the fall of 2021, that uh, we're going to make that commitment and we're going to earnestly not just pray about it, but actually make plans towards it. Mm. And then that was in the middle of COVID. And um, as things were becoming more intense in Canada, we decided to pack up our bags, um, two bags, two suitcases, two backpacks. And uh, we literally just went on Expedia, purchased a ticket to Zambia, Africa. The reason we picked Zambia is we know that uh, the church is well established there, mm. the Reformed Church, and uh, it's Anglophone. We mm. don't really speak any other, well, we don't speak any other languages. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we got on a plane and literally bought a one-way ticket and uh, left. We had to buy an ongoing ticket uh, in order for to get a visa. So I literally, again, went on Expedia and figured out the cheapest flight from Zambia to one of the neighboring countries, and Tanzania was it. Um, I looked at South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, and so I said, okay, Lord, this, we prayed about it, but I didn't know what I was praying for. I said, which country should I pick? And I purchased a ticket to Tanzania three months after our visa would expire. Hmm to get into Zambia, hoping we would never have to use the ticket. We wanted to put down roots in Zambia. Um, That was our intent. And our prayer has always been, Lord, plant us in Africa. And um, I recall reading um, Samuel Rutherford when he was exiled to Aberdeen and so forth. And uh, I'm terrible with remembering quotes, but I have it written down where he comments that, um, uh, that the Lord had planted him in another part of God's vineyard. And until God lifts him up or removes him from that location, he will be faithful there. And so we were just praying that the Lord would plant us in Africa and uh, and that he would um, be merciful and kind and see fit to use us up for his service anywhere, doing anything in Africa. Hmm. And so <clears throat> it's been quite a journey. I mean, you've come to Zambia, you've come to... Tanzania, and now you're here in South Africa. So you're getting a little tour of, of the African continent and realizing, I'm sure, very quickly that every African country is very different, <laughs> very diverse. Um, so what are do you have some stories of people you've met along the way that have really touched your heart in both uh, Zambia and maybe Tanzania? Yes. Um, I should add that we also had the support of our church uh, family mm-hmm. and uh, they were instrumental and in, I first brought it up I know this is not answering your question but I just wanted yeah, to, yeah, to put clarify. that in there clarify that um, our whole journey is very unconventional the conventional way is you contact some mission organization and you go through the training and all these sort of things and here we are just showing up in Africa not knowing anybody and saying hello uh, <laughs> we're a couple from Canada we'd like to do kingdom work Um, But our church, when we first presented the idea to our pastor and other um, faithful people in our church who know us, I was kind of shocked at their response. They were going, no, you should do this. And I'm, yeah, but it's unconventional. And they're saying, yeah, and since when does (laughs) 
Christian service have to meet some conventional guidelines and so forth. Anyways, mm. so they really kind of, I wouldn't say pushed us, but um, really confirmed things with us. Mm. And because uh, I was kind of like, this is crazy. And uh, actually, our pastor's immediate response was, yeah, that's crazy, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, to answer your question, yes, we have met so many people. Um, and uh, both in Zambia and Tanzania, we were there for three months in Zambia and three months in Tanzania, and now we're here. And um, I often describe it as a journey. I've often looked at our life, and I think we often do this, where we are trying to discern God's story for our life. We know his revealed will that we are to live joyfully before him and mm. to uh, serve in the capacity that he's placed us. But when we're on a journey, we often go down a road and we go, oh, is this going to be a dead end? Do I need to turn around and come back? When actually, um, God's called us, His he draws straight with our crooked lines, hmm. I often like to say. And um, so as we continued on our journey, God kept bringing different people into our life hmm. in these different locations. And there's one lady in particular, there's many I can tell, but I'll just tell one story. Um, in Zambia, an uh, old widow, we called her Mbuya, which in Nyanja means grandma, and she was a neighbor to where we were renting a home from. And uh, the way she ministered to us and the opportunity that God gave us to minister to her, she has seven adult children um, mm. that are my age um, and Sammy's age, and so she was very much a maternal um spiritual influence in our life and the first time we met I was over there by myself and I was just talking with her and she invited me in we had tea and then I didn't want to overstay I'd already been there for two hours typical African culture which I just love and we were talking about everything under the sun and I was going to get up to leave and she says no and she kneels down by her coffee table and I'm like okay what's going on here <laughs> and she says you pray and I'm like okay, what do you want me to... Like, I wasn't sure if it was something specific, and she goes, you pray. And so I prayed with her, and uh, then she came over the next day. She toddled over with some... She's a very short little lady, and she came over with some sort of muffins that she'd made and knocked on the door and talked to Sammy, and she says, I'm going to come over every morning, and we're going to pray, and we're going to read. Mm -hmm. So we got up early because... We weren't sure when she was going to come over. And 5.30 in the morning, she knocks on the door. So we're all ready and uh, sitting down in the living room. Mom and Sam, Sammy had, I call Sammy mom. So um, she had made something and Mbuya sat down and I said, what do you want to read? And I shared with her what we usually do with our devotions. And uh, she just turned to me. She goes, you're the priest in this home. You decide. That's not my job. And so we just read every morning and we prayed and... Uh, yeah, I could go on and on about uh, mm. how God ministered to us. And we were so um, amazed at how God has his people everywhere. Like, we know that, mm. but um, we left there like we had known her for our entire lives. And we still keep in contact with her. We pray with her over WhatsApp. She misses us dearly. We miss her. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's quite one thing to know in your mind, oh yeah, the Lord has people all over the world, but to then go and actually meet them and have conversations with them, experience the love of Christ and people from other cultures, seeing, wow, we're actually brothers and sisters in Christ. It transcends uh, national boundaries, it transcends racial boundaries, it transcends cultural boundaries in Christ. 
we are one, sort of Ephesians 2 and 3, we see this unity in Christ. And you get experience when you're actually in a context like that. And I should add that we landed in Lusaka, the capital city, not knowing a soul, not knowing where we would eat, where we would stay that night or anything. And the lady behind us, this has to do with Mbuya, Mm. the lady behind us, um, as we're getting off the plane, she taps us on the shoulder and she's a Zambian. She's a Canadian Zambian from Calgary. Mm. We didn't know this. And she says, are you guys Canadian? And I said, yes. And I asked her why. And she says, I saw your passport. She goes, I always look at people's passports. Mm. So she gave us her number. She actually um, grew up with Mbuya. So mm. that's how we got to know Mbuya. Oh, that's wow. how we got to rent next to where Mbuya. We didn't know who she was. And so God in his providence um, had this lady sit behind us, tap us on the shoulder, give us her number. And through her, we ended up living next to this fine Christian lady wow. who ministered to us, encouraged us. And uh, so God has this, we didn't know, but God knows. And uh, he leads us through all kinds of avenues and people. Mm. As what may seem sort of random to us and circumstantial, happenstantial, if you will, uh, we see that actually God is directing and guiding our paths. Like Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. What you're talking about before, the revealed will versus the secret will of God. You didn't know that God in his sovereign will had put that person right behind you at that time to guide you to be right next door to this sweet sort of motherly Zambian that you would meet. Amen. Mm. So what are, maybe you can share with us um, in our last little bit, uh, what are some lessons you've learned along the way? You shared some of your sort of ponderings and lessons and uh, some of your reflections, I guess I should say, as you've been sort of on your journey. Maybe you can share a couple of those with us. Yeah. I guess one of the main things that we've learned is, and again, this is a lesson that we all daily learn and we're we know that we need to learn is to walk by faith and we all say that we've read it in Habakkuk we read it in Galatians we read it in Romans and we know that we're supposed to walk by faith we pray that God will give us strength to walk by faith and we experience that to a degree but God has been so gracious to Sammy and I in really giving us, and I don't want to sound like other people don't experience that, and I'm not saying that, but I guess for our lives, for the first time, we really are walking by faith. And I pray that in two years, I will have experiences that God tailors afflictions and trials that will cause me to look back today and say, I'm really walking by faith then. Mm. And so God increasingly brings us to places where we can experience walking by faith in a richer and sweeter um, manner than we ever had in our past walk. And mm-hmm. so that's what the Lord has really opened up to us in so many different areas. And so I guess to answer your question, what lessons are we learning is, I know this sounds simple, but to walk by faith, mm-hmm. to really walk by faith. And I don't know how else to describe it. It's very difficult to describe something you live and you experience, but the sweetness and the joy of complete abandonment and reliance on the Word of God, just for everything. Um, Hmm. Like, I am very adapted to situations, throw me somewhere, drop me somewhere in the middle of wherever, and I'll figure things out. Uh, That's just who I am, and God's blessed me that way. 
But there's a difference when you step out and you walk away from everything, which is what we did. We bought a one-way ticket. And we have no idea where we're going. And constantly in the back of our mind, even today, it's like, is this a fool's errand? Does God really want to plant us here? Hmm. We thought Zambia, we thought Tanzania, and here we are in South Africa. I don't know. I don't know if I'll get legal status, if I'll be allowed. I don't know what tomorrow holds. Hmm. And I'm not going back to anything. Hmm. Like, when you go on a holiday, you know that you're returning in two weeks, even on a mission trip. Oh, we're going to this country and we plan on doing Bible translation for 40 years hmm. or one year or whatever it is. There's There are bookends to it. We literally are on a one-way trip and we have no idea what the future holds. And we've walked away from everything intentionally and joyfully. But that really puts you in a position of, well, what am I doing? Hmm. And so learning to walk by faith and I wrote something, I started journaling different things um, at the request of our prayer group back in Canada who uh, want me to write some of my thoughts down. And this all happened when we were in Dubai and I started texting them, just letting them know, yeah, we're safe in Dubai and we're on our way to Zambia and so forth. And um, I was writing about empty pockets. And uh, so I just wrote this little tiny journal and part of that whole contemplation was that um, Sammy and I have left and um, we don't have pockets that are full of anything. We're, we have empty pockets and we're asking God to fill them and we don't know where we're going to land and what we're going to do. So walking by faith is the lesson that God continually teaches us in, in ways that we would never have imagined. Hmm. And what a, what a real lesson to learn. I mean, <laughs> no real better way to learn it than jumping in and going and taking that step of faith. I mean, you won't learn, oh, walking by faith unless you really have to. You're sort of put in the deep end now, and that's that's where you find yourself. Maybe what would be some encouragement you have to people who might be listening to this who feel a call to missions but have some hesitancy in them? Is there anything you'd want to share with those? I would say that in all of life, we need to walk by faith. And if you feel a call to missions, like any other call you might feel in life to marry someone or go to this college or to move to this city or you feel led to take up a certain um, vocational practice, that uh, you need to step out in faith and you need to entrust these things to the Lord. And the foundation of walking by faith is... Well, you read the book of Habakkuk, um, his situation was, Lord, look at the state of Jerusalem. And God's response to him is, well, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they're going to come in and uh, they're going to fix things. And Habakkuk goes, uh, excuse me, do you realize sure? that the Babylonians <laughs> are these evil people in this nation? And God says, don't worry about that. And the end of Habakkuk is his response of joy. He says, even though the calf won't spring in the stall and so forth, and there's no crop in the field, I don't have a passage in front of me, his response is, I will live by faith. The mm -hmm. righteous will live by faith. And so if you feel a call to missions, and that's your specific um, um, calling that you feel the Lord is laying upon your heart, I would lay it before the Lord and step out in faith. And don't be mm -hmm. so concerned about, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? If you are content in the Lord, if you are walking in obedience to the Spirit, you are fulfilling His will, and you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you can't do anything wrong because you're walking in the Spirit. 
And so step out in faith and don't be afraid of what might happen. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers. No, I think that's very, very helpful that, I mean, indeed, the harvest is large and the laborers are few. And there is a great need. There's such a need. I mean, in every context we're in, there's there's a harvest around us. But there is a need for laborers to enter into that harvest cross-culturally as well. And and so few people are actually being sent out into that. So I think that's a great encouragement that you actually take a step of faith. Trust the Lord. The Lord is going to be faithful if he's called you. Uh, he will provide. The grace of God will not lead you where... Uh, yeah, what is it? The grace of God will not... The hand of God... The will, will not, of God. The will, will of God will not lead you where the grace of God will not keep you. Yes. And that truly, I think, we experience that, that where God guides us by his will, that he's going to keep us in his grace. And so for those of us <clears throat> who are listening, um, I think this has just been a great opportunity just to hear how the Lord's guided you and led you on your journey. And if you have a heart for missions and for the Great Commission, uh, would you consider coming to our Great Commission course that's coming up uh, the end of next month, the 24th of June to the 13th of July, where you'll get an opportunity to hear how you can be better equipped for missions. It's a very boots-on-the-ground experience. It's uh, not only a classroom set, you're learning uh, sort of the knowledge of, okay, what does it mean to do missions, but you're doing practicals, you're doing night hikes, uh, you're doing all sorts of interactive experiences as well as outreaches, actually going out and what does it look like to actually reach out with the gospel? How do, how do we actually go and share our faith with people? And so it's a great opportunity. I think it's been a life-changing experience for many people who have come to our Great Commission course, the 24th of June to the 13th of July. If you want a bit more information on that, you can visit our website, which is frontlinemissionsa.org. Again, that's frontlinemissionsa.org. You can scroll down and find the poster that talks about the Great Commission course, and we'd love to have you uh, come and be a part of that. But Jonathan, thank you. I think this has really been helpful, just hearing how the Lord's been guiding you along the way, seeing just the sovereign hand of God over your life. And of course, it's not just your life. It's not a leaf falls from a tree apart from the sovereign decree of God. And but being reminded of that God is sovereign. God guides us. He draws us to himself. He leads us. Are there any sort of closing thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners as we close off tonight? I'd just like to say that I encourage people to enjoy the joy of the Lord. Um, the joy of the Lord is our salvation. It's our strength. Is, is our strength, pardon me. And uh, it truly is our strength. And um, as you walk by faith through every single day, whether it be the small things or the large things, um, the sweetness of walking with the Lord, there is nothing that compares to it. And uh, to ask God to give you that sweetness and that joy as you walk by faith, it's there's nothing you want to trade for it. And uh, I just really would encourage people to... Um, to seek, to seek the Lord in that respect, wherever you are, whether you're changing diapers, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're stocking shelves, whether you're in the West, whether you're in the third world, whether you're where you think you want to be or not, um, Christ is all you need. He's your greatest need. And all of Christ in all of life is the greatest joy that anyone can ever have. Mm. And as you're sharing from Habakkuk, we'll just close off with these verses. Habakkuk, he says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, 
The produce of oil fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and yet there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Indeed, in any situation we're in, we can find joy in the Lord because he is our joy. Our joy doesn't come from our circumstances. It's how Paul could write from prison in chains and say, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice because he's looking to the throne of grace. He's looking to the presence of Christ with him. And we pray that would be true of you and true of us, that we would truly remember, rejoice in the Lord, not because of your circumstances, because of your God. Find joy in your God today. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We hope this has been a blessing to you and encouragement to you. And please, if you do, uh, if you are interested in the Great Commission course, do go on our website and find details of how you can join us. Good night and God bless.